There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Federal Premium Ammunition and their new Centerfire Rifle Ammunition Terminal Ascent. Now, the Terminal Ascent has a slipstream polymer tip that helps flatten trajectories and initiates low-velocity expansion at longer ranges. The Terminal Ascent gives you match-grade long-range accuracy in a bonded hunting bullet and it comes in a variety of cartridges including the 6.5 Creedmoor, the 280 Ackley Improved, the 28 Nosler, the 7mm Remington Mag 30-06 and the 300 Win Mag. If you want to find more information about the Terminal Ascent, visit federalpremium.com and while you're there, check out It's Federal Season, the official podcast of Federal Ammunition. My name is Clay Newcomb, and I'm the host of the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast. I'll also be your host into the world of hunting the icon of North American wilderness, the bear. We'll talk about tactics, gear, conservation, but we'll also bring you into some of the wildest country on the planet chasing bear. I want to describe what this podcast is about and kind of the style that we used on this podcast. If you've listened to us very long, you know that we have a lot of long-form, conversational-style podcasts that don't necessarily have a specific topic. Maybe we're interviewing an old hunter or a houndsman or a deer hunter or whatever. Sometimes we have podcasts that are very technical and tactical, and we try to just get down to business and really educate people. That's what this is. So this podcast, I have gathered up the best black bear hunters that I know in where I live, Heath Martin, Ryan Greb. And these guys have taken baiting bears to a whole nother level 
of expertise. And so we nerd out for an hour and a half about all things pertaining to baiting black bears. And I think you can use this information anywhere in the country that's legal to bait. I think this information would be valuable for spring hunters and fall hunters. But most of what we're talking about is specifically fall hunting. We talk about how to set up a bait, what bait to use, how long do you bait, how do you target big bears, what's the baiting routine that you use, and how do you utilize a strategic routine on the day that you hunt to target these big bears. I also think that even if you're not interested in baiting bears, you could learn about bear behavior. I have learned more about bear behavior from watching how they interact with food source on an unnatural bait than I have any other way because the sheer exposure that you get to animal behavior, bear behavior, is exponential. If I only gathered information from watching bears on natural food, I would have very limited understanding of what bears do because it's just so hard to find them doing what they do, especially in the east and thick cover. So watching bears over bait, understanding what they do, how they utilize that, is the same way that they utilize natural food sources out in wild places. So this is a great podcast. It, it'll go in the archives and when somebody direct messages me and say, hey Clay, I'm starting to bait. Can you give me any tips? I'm going to send them this podcast. You listen from this to start to finish and you will learn a decade worth of three guys who pretty much dedicated themselves to hunting big bears over bait in a pretty pressured area. When this podcast was done, I turned to Heath and I said, man, if somebody would just listen to that and really heed the advice that was given, they would learn what it took us 10 years to learn. The last thing that I want to say as a preface to a podcast about baiting bears is that a lot of people don't understand baiting. And I think if you listen to this podcast, you'll see how much work it is, how much strategy goes into it, how much thought goes into it, and you'll have an appreciation for that. I want to say that wherever that we're baiting bears, the, the management agencies are using this as a management tool to harvest the number of bears that we need out of that habitat. And that's just it. It's a, it is a management tool and a highly effective management tool. And you know what? If you, if a thousand years from now, anthropologists are going through the fossil record, which would include us, and they perceived bear baiting activity, and they were like, wow, these ancient hunters put out bait for bears, what that would indicate to them is high bear populations that needed to be managed. Are you with me? Are you tracking me? Basically, baiting bears is a management tool that actually indicates success of a species that needs to be managed. So this whole premise that baiting is, you know, somehow not fair chase, not difficult, that's an old world mentality that is no longer relevant. It's a management tool and bear baiting allows a hunter to be selective. The least selective hunting that Clay Newcomb does is a spot and stalk hunt because I usually shoot the first bear I see. I pass incredible amounts of bear when I'm hunting over bait, waiting for an older mature male, which is the perfect animal to take out of the population. And 
So in terms of ethics as well, when you're talking about shot placement, you know exactly where that bear is going to be. You strategically set up your stand and the bait in such a way that the animal is turned in the right direction. You have all these factors that you can control. And I think that's highly important inside of a, a, of a time when really we're inside of a, a, a culture war in a sense where people don't understand our way of life. They don't understand our methodology for harvesting game, utilizing the meat, just our lifestyle of hunting. And so being educated on why we do what we do is incredibly important, incredibly important. And you've heard us say it because we've got to guard the gate. Hunting bears and large predators is often the place that the anti-hunting community finds fault with North American hunting. And I don't think we've done a great job of even understanding why we do what we do. And so we've got to guard the gate, build a strong understanding of why we do what we do. And I think that will help preserve the whole of North American hunting. You're going to enjoy this podcast about the secrets to baiting black bears. Yep, I love baiting some black bears. We are in Heath Martin's office. We're looking at uh, a bunch of big, nice white tails, a big British Columbian moose, big 504-pound Arkansas black bear over here on the rocks. Um, yeah, so I've got Heath Martin. Heath, this is your first time on the podcast. Correct. You, you're, you've been due for a long time for a Bear Hunting Magazine podcast. <laughs> I think we tried to... We talked about doing a bear-related podcast probably last year because you're, uh, well, I'll, I'll get to the introduction of you after I talk about Ryan Greb, Ryan Flintface Greb. You've been on the podcast several times, Ryan. Yeah, a few times. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, man. Well, hey, you two are like, to me, this is like the... Uh, like I don't know if there are any sports that just have uh, three players, but uh, <laughs> you guys are like the the dream team of uh, at least Arkansas black bear hunting. And I've said this before about Ryan, and I'll say it again because I unless somebody disputes me and Heath, maybe you can, and, I, and if you can, you can. I think per volume of bears killed in the state of Arkansas. I think if you just added the weight of every bear you've ever killed, I think Ryan's killed the most bear by volume of any person I've met. There may be people I've not met, but this guy's killed a 300-plus pound bear every year just about for the last 20 years. Been a couple of years interspersed. You've killed good ones. I mean, is that true? Yeah. Or have you been lying to me? No. Y'all take half the – y'all rotate every other year, so y'all probably stay up with me if you – Stay after them. So I don't. Did you hunt last year? No, you? I haven't bear hunted the last couple of years. Yeah. Well, okay. And then Heath has killed. He's the only person in the state of Arkansas that's killed two Boone and Crockett bears. Monsters. That's Monsters. Five hundred plus pound. Yep, skulls are right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I mean, that's and and you've killed a many many big bears. But you know, everybody kind of does things different. Like uh, <laughs> I haven't. I've killed just a handful of bears personally over bait in the state of Arkansas. I don't think a lot of people realize that. But uh, you've catered. To yeah, but every people. year for the last 20 years, I've baited extensively. 
mm-hmm. you know, and um, and I've usually tried to. So I mean, you know, it, it just in Heath, you have baited extensively for periods of time, and then you know you've been going on some of these big game hunts at prime time, and that's a that's a big deal when you're baiting bears. Is you got to be here. It's a ton of work for right. about a month before season. And so if you're gone during that time period, it doesn't even make sense to even try. And so the last couple of years, you've been gallivanting across the planet, uh, killing big game and all these crazy places. That's correct. Leaving, yeah. leave next week for Peninsula, Alaska Peninsula moose hunt. So I won't yeah, be baiting man. this year. Be there most of September. So yeah. Well, the thing most I respect about both of you guys is that you you just you're good. You've 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 learned. You've learned what it takes to be successful, not just with bears, but with big bears. And uh, and you guys know as well as anybody that you got to do a lot of things right to kill big bears consistently, really anywhere. Um, and so what I want to do today is just kind of nerd out about baiting bears. And, you know, there's a lot of different people that listen to this podcast. I mean, there's guys that listen to this podcast that don't even bear hunt. There's guys that listen to this podcast that don't bait bears, but we always have to, at some point, narrow down the focus to just hone in into like this one area, you know? Right. And uh, so what I want to do with y'all is kind of take somebody from start to finish of the key components of baiting bears and then we can also talk about kind of like the advanced technical side of killing big bears. Because there's a big difference. Yes. Wouldn't you say, Heath, just from, I mean, like if a guy here, a guy anywhere that can bait bears, and there's uh, quite a few states that you can bait in, a lot of the Canadian, well, all the Canadian provinces pretty much. Um, there's a big difference between just killing a bear and killing a big bear. Wouldn't you say, Heath? I agree 100%. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, let's, uh, so I've got a, I've kind of got a list here. I'll, I'll go ahead and read the list of what I want to cover. Just so if you're listening to this, you can kind of track what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about where to place a bait site. So I want to hear about you guys' experience on actually where to place it. A lot of guys have questions about that. And what I've learned is that two places in the same county can be one can be absolutely a wonderful place to kill a big bear and a mile away you have a you know difficult time even killing a bear so just because you're in a good county just because you're in a good state doesn't mean that your bait site's going to be in the best place and on a micro scale there's always a best place no matter if you've got 40 acres if you've got 5,000 acres. There's one spot that's going to be the best, I, I feel like. So we're going to talk about where to bait, where to place a bait, what type of feeders to use. That never entered my mind that that was a big deal, but people ask me all you the time about... Get questions on that? Yeah. Like, what kind... You know, are you using bait barrels, plastic, or metal? So I want to talk about that. Um, let's see here. Oh, my list. Uh, how far in advance to start feeding bears... We can talk about timing, uh, what type of bait, and how much. There's all kind of controversy in the bear world about how much to feed bears. You know, there's the philosophy that you feed them a small amount, 
and there's also a philosophy that you give them as much as you can eat. And I think I know where you guys stand on that. Scent attractants, and then we'll talk about how to target big bears, and then I want to hear about y'all's routine for opening day. I think that is the biggest mistake that people make, and I have made it, and I've learned stuff from you guys, is that you have this routine of baiting, and then on opening day, what you do is really, really important, especially if you're targeting a big bear. And then uh, the last question I have written down in my notes here is, uh, what is the proper way to celebrate when you kill a 500-pound bear? <laughs> but you guys both would know that. Um, go get the tractor. Go get the tractor. <laughs> Hope you can get the tractor to it. <laughs> yeah. That's the reality. Yeah. Because <clears throat> if you can't, the work begins. Hey, tell me a little bit about your – like when you started baiting and, 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 you know, how you started approaching, you know, hunting where you did. W Hunting Supply. My friend, Buddy Woodbury, and his team in Washington, these guys have built the best hound supply, dog supply company in the country. If you have any needs that have to do with dogs, Check out W. Check them out, man. They're one of the top Garmin dealers in the country. They are, they are, but more than that, they're Garmin experts. So you can call them and tell them what you're trying to achieve. They'll tell you what products you need. You have trouble setting those products up. You call them and you're going to talk to a person that knows that product. For all of your dog-related needs, check out W Hunting Supply our friends up in Washington. CVA muzzleloaders. I am very pumped about muzzleloader hunting this year. I'm going to be using a CVA. CVA was a company that was started in 1971, and they produce the best muzzleloaders on the planet. They produce breakover muzzleloaders that you can clean and take apart without having to use a tool. They're known for accuracy. They're a sleek-looking gun. It's a sharp-looking gun. CVA has everything you need, full line of muzzleloaders, all the way from you know, price point-type muzzleloaders that would be like entry-level stuff, all the way to very accurate, long-range, very high-end muzzleloaders, and everything in between. Check out CVA for your muzzleloader hunting this fall. 2020. Man, we can't talk about baiting bears without Northwoods. Northwoods bear products, they make the best bear scents that we have used. Incredible product, and they've got a full line of commercial scents. If you're baiting bears this fall, man, order some Northwoods bear products. I like, you've heard me say it a thousand times, and I'll keep saying it. I love the gold rush, mixing it in with fryer grease. It's a vital component to my baiting strategy. These, these commercial scents have stronger scent power than any kind of natural food that you could use. So you might say, oh, I can, I can draw in bears with natural food, but you'll draw in more bears with commercial scents. So check out Northwoods Bear Products. where you did oh yeah so probably my first serious dive into baiting is around 2007 i think i killed my first bear in 2007 actually 
and uh i believe if i remember right that year it was just over a corn feeder so it was very dry it was dry it wasn't a lot of work i had never killed a bear first bear that walked by i shot it and was tickled to death mm-hmm. not knowing i'd ever shoot another bear because in our reality in the last 10 12 14 years our population has exploded tremendously yeah. i mean that's yeah. something you have a chance to kill every year even in 2007 it was really the first bear i'd ever seen that i'd had an opportunity to hunt right right so then that kind of gave me the bug i guess you would say and so i'm sure through conversation with you and other people i started figuring out how to bait and just trial and error you know so it's like well dog food and grease you know so then that the next year i baited a little more and corn and dog food and sweets and you know, getting bait is tough. Getting sweets, mm-hmm. you know, we'll talk mm-hmm. about that, I'm sure. But you got a question on there, so we can talk about that later. But I got lucky and killed that bear, I believe. In, no, I think I killed him in 09, actually. So I don't think I killed a bear in 08. And, uh, but got some bear pictures, learned some stuff, baiting, you know, trial and error. And then up my game a little bit, was a little more serious about it, and killed my first Boone and Crockett bear. was my second bear ever. So, I mean, yeah. a little luck involved. But still was able to harvest him once I got him coming to bait, you know. And then, yeah, from there, I just was pretty serious about it and learned from trial and error, figured stuff out, you know, tried to get better at getting better quality food to feed them and figure out what worked good. And, you know, a lot of it's based on where we hunt, not other places in the country maybe, but tremendously on mast. Yeah. That's a, that's a theme anywhere they're baiting. Yeah. It, it may not be hard but, mass. But yeah, yeah. right. But Food ours, source. Our, and, it, and it's all the seasons too, you know. So our season always opens as or after the hard mast is falling, right? So right. that's just, and it depends on when opening day is, you know, that's a whole conversation. Um, so you got to figure out how to keep bears. Big bears, you guys know, will leave a barrel of donuts overnight for a white oak acre. Yeah, it's right. just insane. They're wired for yeah, natural food. I know it. Yep. It's crazy. So, you know, I had to kind of start learning how to keep bears as good as I can. And just because you do some of this stuff, don't mean you're going to keep that bear. A quick question: Do you have much competition over around where you hunt? Human competition. Yeah, I, yeah. I think there's probably some. You know, there for a while when I got real serious about it, I had three bait locations over about a. 12 square mile area basically four miles and four miles and four miles kind of a triangle That's shape. spaced out good spaced yeah. out to where i wasn't fighting myself right right but mm-hmm. in all reality there was a time or two when i would get the same big bear on two of those baits really randomly, four miles apart. four miles apart and i bet you had a lot more competition than you realized that, i think there is right absolutely um but a couple of the plot the couple of my most successful spots were harder to get into and the competition would be i think a little further away because of the way the block of national forest adjoining our property so we can only bait on yeah we can only bait on private land but the land i would bait on borders some national forest blocks and so if they're big enough and remote enough you don't have people right on you baiting right so you're attracting bears out of that large block of national forest into your private property you know where you can legally bait at that point so you can you can pretty safely assume that unless somebody's doing something illegal, yeah. if you got this giant block of national forest that nobody's baiting bears, correct? Now they can hunt bears there, yeah. but they can't bait a bear. Yeah. yeah. And around here, you know, there's only even in giant blocks of national forest, there's some private back there somewhere. Yeah. So somebody could be, but there's a couple blocks. There's a mile, a mile and a half blocks that nobody's in. Yeah. Which is not that big for a bear. 
in no. all reality. Yeah. Uh, but if you get one sometimes that likes to stay there and hold tight and you really got what he likes to eat, you can keep him on a pretty good pattern. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now you tell me about your competition, Ryan, where you're at. Um, I did have some guys, you know, a mile and a half, two miles from me, and they took big bears. I mean, yeah. you know who we're talking about. And uh, I know Heath does because he actually just sold the property – just a year or two ago uh but yeah that was uh it didn't seem to be a really a, a factor because we both understood that we were chasing big bears not average bears yeah and we communicated back and forth but we were really remote didn't have any really four-wheeler traffic or people in and out even deer hunting them so it was it was pre- almost like a a buddy was baiting us. He kind of knew what was going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it man just happened to be luck out, and it's just a place that holds big bears, and always, always did, and uh, still does to this day. Well, let's let's talk about where to put a bear bait. I think that's key too, and I'm sure we'll get to that later. But I mean, just because you go put a bait in the woods, don't mean you're going to kill a mature bear. That's They're right. not all created equal, and I can attest that to all my bait sets, and we can talk about that. Yeah. When we well, that's that that's what that's what I want to talk about. There's two two <clears throat> things that I want to analyze. So, if you're taking this really serious, like we all have at different times, like there was one time when I was baiting eleven different spots in a good county in Arkansas, and every year I would end up having two to three spots that I was willing to put somebody on to hunt when it came down to season. And finally, I just got to where I didn't bait the other eight places because they just didn't produce. Now, could I get bears to come in there? Yes. But by the season, by the time season arrived, the big bears would be gone or all the bears would be gone. Or were big bears even coming to it? Right. And, and most of them know. I've abandoned sites for that reason, too. We had, well, As I talked, we had three, when we were really heavy, three main sites. Two always produced giant bears. Now, they may not be there come season, but there was always giant bears in right. the area. A third one we probably baited four years, and there was always quite a few bears there. And there would actually be bears there come season. That one year, I killed that big double-tag old sow that had right. been yeah, a couple times. She came off of that bait site. But she's probably the biggest bear that in four years that ever came to that bait. Three hundred and forty pound sow. Sow. She's a big sow, but yeah. the point of that was there was never. I mean, I'm not going to say a two hundred and fifty pound sow didn't or a boar didn't walk by that bait occasionally, but there was never a sure enough mature boar ever in four years come to that bait. And sow. that's a fantastic ever. point because some <clears throat> places produce big bears yeah. and yeah. some don't and, and when we say big bears we're not talking about a 250 pound no. male we're talking about a 400 Four, plus pound yeah. trophy ultra mature yeah. big bear and this we finally abandoned this site because it was really remote in theory it had everything what i thought should have to grow hold and be able to bait mature bears it took a long time to get there it's hard to bait which is some of the keys but after four years it's like i mean i've never had a mature boar come here why am i still baiting here so we kind of abandoned that site you know in our reality and killed just as many bears off the two that we had right. and not had to put as much work or bait somewhere that we weren't really ever hunting i mean i did kill the one bear there but of all those years that's the only time we ever even hunted there it yeah. was one day i hunted that site one day in four that. years and it was the only bear so <laughs> what are the characteristics of 
the good sites that tend to draw big bears? Man, thickness, just quietness, no intrusion. By uh, quietness, you mean like not a county road, remote, no, half yeah. mile away. Remote. Yep. Bears like to bed a lot of times in low areas with lots of shade, preferably maybe some damp, you know, areas. Uh, but, you know, each piece of land has a story to tell, right. and it may take you a couple years to totally understand how the animals move on this piece of ground. Right. So. And in our reality, my opinion of that, too, sometimes is I don't know if there's a right answer to your question. I mean, I think yeah, sometimes yeah. there's a spot almost like a deer or a fish, which there's usually a reason a fish likes to be here versus even a big deer. And that's all of our first love was deer. But I don't know why there was never a big boar in this one spot. To me, it was perfect, right? Yeah. But there never was. And But then there's these two other spots. It's like, I mean, every time a bear comes in, not every bear, but there's always big boars there's coming in. There's always a big one. And to me, they're all fairly similar in characteristics, you know. So okay. why did the one never produce but the other two always had a mature and 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 usually the other two had multiple mature bears coming right in, you know maybe not by season but throughout the baiting time frame and you can kill one or two of them and then another one yeah next year yeah, yeah next year they'll be back in mm-hmm. that's yeah. amazing it's it i mean it is well, one of them deals where they're all we one, did a we did a last week we had a biologist on the podcast and she was talking about how the female bears they're the ones that they're mainly tracking and understanding what they're doing. And these female bears will select to live in areas that are as remote from human intrusion as possible. Like they don't like roads. They don't like human houses. Like if a bear is not stressed and obviously people have bears coming to their houses and eating their trash cans and stuff in the, in the summertime and periods of stress, but those bears want to be an unfragmented wilderness and we'll use the term wilderness not as in capital wilderness like capital w wilderness like federal land that's but wilderness in terms of wherever you live the most remote if it's in michigan it's going to be the deepest darkest swamp that has the least human intrusion if it's in arkansas it's going to be that rugged drainage that you know has big national forest on every side and it's just hard to get to and that's where the, that those are typically the places that we're going to be able to draw big bears. And that's one reason the baiting in Arkansas, when we talk about sometimes they're not there come season, is that way. We can only bait on that private land. And I think that's key because even though we find remote land that we can bait on privately, on, right. it's not as remote as maybe in the summer or, or before the acorns start falling, they're coming to that bait. But we all know as soon as acorns falling, they're gone. They're way back somewhere else in a more right. remote area. Right? I don't think the acorns really even have to fall. If they're somewhat mature and the trees are loaded, yeah. you know, they're going to climb to the oh, top. They're climbing trees. <clears throat> yeah. I bet 50% of the bears in the state of Arkansas right now don't have their feet on the ground. That's yeah. right. Yeah. They're in a tree <laughs> yeah. right now. Yeah. It's the evening yeah. time. So that's what makes it harder sometimes to keep these bears when we say on a bait. It's because it's not where... If we could put it wherever we wanted to, they'd probably be right. easier to if kill. If we could, like in Idaho, you yeah. can bait on national forest, right? And and we could put a bait out right where they're gonna want to be and have a better chance. So we're limited in where we can bait them. So we have a hard time holding them once the natural mass becomes available. And we'll talk about some 
tricks that we've all used to try to hold them. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's talk about. So we've established like, and it's it's kind of a no brainer, but for some people that are just getting used to understanding bears, it's probably helpful to hear us say the most remote place you can get. If we could boil it down to something that simple. But okay, here's the next scenario. You got 40 acres that you can bait, okay? And you drive into that 40 acres down on a low creek, and there's one high knob on this place that's maybe connected to a string of mountains. Um, My philosophy is that on that 40 acres, even where you put that bait is important. Like, you can't choose anywhere outside of that 40 acres. But I've always been of the persuasion that higher – is better than lower because of wind, like more consistent winds. And anytime I've tried to bait down low, the evening time thermals make it really hard. Right. Have you guys had different experience than that? Your bait isn't super high, I is do. it? I, I agree with you 100% to some degree. Okay. I do. You I Well, all, then you don't agree with me 100%, <laughs> well, I agree with you 98%. <laughs> I do it probably a little different, and what and the reason I do it is if we want to dive into that, like yeah. where you place your bait, is my most successful places I've learned. And I'm not talking to hunt a bear; we're talking to kill a mature bear because you right. have to outsmart his nose, just what you're talking about the thermals yeah. and stuff. So the best way I've found to do it in where we hunt, the way the ridges and stuff lay out, is I always and this 40 acres may not have the perfect spot, right? But if I had the perfect spot, here's how it is for me, and the two that are most successful for me are not exactly identical. The one at our farm you've been to is not exactly perfect, but it's close. The one that I killed this bear on is the best spot I've ever been on. So I get on the downhill side, not bottom of the hill, but I like to be on a secondary point that comes off a main ridge, a short secondary point, okay. 30 or 40 yards. It just juts off and then it dives off, right? Mm. And it's got deep drains on both sides of the secondary point. Then it's always on the north side of the mountain because we have south southwest uh winds Dominant that wind, time of year early fall mm-hmm. early fall but also the bigger thing like you talked about was the thermals so i always set my baits up on the very end of this secondary not i'm sorry not my bait my stand i put the bait up on the secondary point but i set my stand on the slightly downhill side on the very end of the secondary point where it's steep and i'm not saying the bears can't come in below or behind you but it didn't their preferred they're, path. They're most likely right. going to travel down that gonna finger. come down the main ridge, go right around the head of the draw this way or this way, come right onto this finger, and they're always on the south side of you. And as soon as the sun starts setting behind the trees, the thermals start sucking your scent off that point down those two draws down mm. in the valley below. And if that's why we hired him, <clears throat> that's right, the brains man. Yeah. So that's a good, really good description so of a place. Typically. The, and the way you would do that is because we're baiting on private property that's really close to National Forest. I mean, usually the fence ain't far, you know, yeah. 50, 60 yards, but we're on private property. You're baiting or you're, the bears typically aren't going to be behind you in that situation anyway because your private property's down there. Right. They're coming from this bigger block of National Forest, right? So they're coming from that direction. So you got yeah. your, uh, South wind, then you get your thermal shift, and it sucks your scent off down behind you. And, I mean, you rarely ever – I mean, as long as your wind's right and your thermals are good, you rarely ever get winded. And that, yeah. that's how I try to set up all the two. And, and the one at our farm ain't exactly like that. We are on the downhill that you've been to of a secondary point. It's not as steep as I would want it, but I don't have anywhere else to put it. So because yeah. 
we've run out of private property, right? Well, the, the theme of what you're saying is is that you need to think about where you're putting your yeah. bait. Yeah. You need to so think about I'm prevailing winds. I'm not down in the bottom bottom. Right. I'm up high, but I'm not on the tip of the ridge. I get on the kind of the bottom end of that secondary point and have the thermal suck my scent away and down the drains behind me and try to keep the bears above me, right? Yeah. And then also you can be 20, you know, 20 foot in a tree and your bait's over here at 18 yards. Well, it's up a little bit anyway, so it's You're just pretty easy across. shot. It ain't and straight. But I it's, think it's worth saying that we're all hunting in the evenings. Yeah. yeah. And bow. During that time of year, it's all bow. That's right. You know. So we've got to be close. Yeah. And we are primarily hunting in the evening time. I mean, like mm-hmm. almost ninety. Yeah. Per, do you, all your hunting's in the evening. Uh, yeah. All evening. I've called you on open morning of bear season and you were drinking coffee. Yeah. Yeah, I, <laughs> I mean that's the way yeah, i am yeah. too opening day of bear season i sleep in yeah uh, we hunt them in the evening and we do that on purpose because these big bears are feeding overnight and if you try to slip in this this is a little bit off topic from where to place a bait but i'm gonna say it because it's not in my notes people all the time ask me well maybe we would get into it when to hunt if you're hunting a big bear don't even risk hunting him in the morning now you might kill him in the morning but there's a better chance that you're going to spook him off the bait or you're going to spook bears. And so all the big bears we've killed have been in the evening time. And, and we choose not to hunt in the morning because those bears are in there all night. So if you're trying to slip in there with a flashlight before daylight. They're still at the bait. There's still a at bear the bait. still at the bait. may not be the one you want to kill, but there's a bear at the bait you're going to bump off of there. Yep. And yeah. it's going to make noise and racket. And Going in there in the dark with the flashlight, the most unnatural thing you could do that's right you know and and even if you don't bump the target bear he that i'm pointing at a 500 pound bear mounted over here he got that big because he took cues social cues from that bear's bedded 120 yards away he hears a bear woof and run off and you know he goes downwind to check and he's like yep that fool's in the tree stand you know we're talking about mature bears but Certain people might just have access to flat ground. It might just be a right. pine timber stand, and there's no kind of features. And, you know, they may be able to drive right to the side of the road and, and have to backpack something in, not saying don't go try it. You know, I mean, if that's all you got, you got to do. But maybe understand the lay of the forest that's leading in to this property to give you an idea where you want to maybe put some bait and you know hang a stand but yeah not everybody's going to have prime prime spots right yeah and i'm just talking from experience on the property i hunt yeah if you put me on a flat 40 acres i probably wouldn't know where to put the bait that's that's where and that's where these guys that like bait up in michigan and Mm -hmm. different places like they're using terrain features of the swamp right like you know they're backing up against a big swamp that, you know, the bears aren't going to come from that mm-hmm. direction. And so the point of hearing Heath dissect how he sets up his bait sites is that you can do the same thing on your land for whatever it is. Like, you just got to think about it. That's right. You can't, you don't set a bear, if you want to kill big bears, you don't set a bear bait based upon ease of access for you. That's the biggest thing. Like, when I've helped people, it's like, Man, we got to find a place I can drive the truck and it's easy. And now, granted, that's nice. And most of the places I can drive a truck where I go. But, like, the point of it is not for you. The point is where is that bear going to be comfortable in the daytime? Because you're asking that bear to do a lot, a big bear. You're asking him to come into a feeding area, 
in the broad daylight in a place that he knows there's a human involved. Mm -hmm. That's the thing that's so different about this than deer hunting. A deer hunting situation, you know, that deer doesn't know there's a human around. Ultra ninja stealth is what you're trying to do, especially if you're not hunting over feet or something. But with this bear, that big 500-pound bear knows there is a human involved. You can't really hide that, at least around here when it's so hot. Well, and, and their nose is better than a deer's nose, right? I mean, we've yeah. had this. This is a whole other story, but, you know, I know you killed the big bear finally out of the redneck scent type blind you'd hunted right. for a few years we had that conversation for years i'm like clay the best way to kill bears in a blind but i'm not buying a blind just to go bear hunting that's know? right because mm -hmm. you got to fool their nose yep so that's why i kind of did what i started doing on the end of them points and ridges was just using the thermals as much as i could to try to help my scent but yeah i mean you got to fool their nose and i mean these bears i mean they sit out there and listen you know oh. this bear here came up and just happened i could see him you know probably not 30 minutes, but 20 minutes before dark. And he just sat there like a dog, just listen. Wait, you know, 60, 70 yeah, yards out. out there, way out there. Yeah. yeah. hundred yards, probably 120. And then it just happened to be kind of an opening through the woods that I catch him, you know, yeah. and then he'd get up and I'm like, Oh, here he comes. He'd take like two steps. And he'd sit back down and listen and sniff around and listen. And you know, well, by the time he came to hundred yards, it's almost dark. I couldn't see him. Right. Well, I saw that, but had I not seen that, I wouldn't have known. You know, you wouldn't know. And they're just, they're yeah. different than a little 200 pounder that just comes walking in because he wants to eat a donut, right? Yeah. They have a whole different personality. Yeah. yeah. So, and he may, I mean, and, you know, he may have been bedded just 150 yards all day. I don't know, but he could have been listening the whole time. I, that is my, my persuasion on what they're doing. When they're pounding a bear bait. They ain't going far. They ain't they're going not far. far. No. Man, so last year we tracked a bear that uh, we tracked a bear that we didn't recover, um, and we we went off of this bear bait and hit a bear trail, and this bear just went straight off the side of the mountain, and I mean it was like following a cattle trail, and we're seeing just little specks of blood, and we pretty much knew this bear wasn't that hurt. It was a it it, it was a different hunter. I was helping, and. That bear went right to a place that looked like the Bear Holiday Inn. <laughs> really, it was down yeah. in a super steep draw, pawpaw patch, oh, with yeah. boulders. All. I mean, it was the nastiest place on the side of that mountain. And he had a spot wore out on the ground. I mean, it's big as, you know, we're, I don't know. Yeah, 10 foot. He, he spent a yeah. lot of time right that, there. That it was, was his bedroom. 250 yards from the bait site. And, and he I, just yeah. woke up, went to the bait. Went laid back down. He had no reason to go anywhere else. So, I mean. I'm sure this bear was doing the same. I didn't follow his trail out, but he wasn't going a couple hundred yards, you know. Yeah. And that's why, this is another topic, but being consistent on later, your question on the opening day of season. Yeah. They hear you when you go bait them bear. I mean, when you go bait yep. and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so, if you're out of routine, they can figure that out, you know. And it may just cause them to come in 30 minutes later because they're being extra cautious or something, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, I make, when I go bait, I like. Well, let's talk about yeah. that baiting routine. That's yeah. a great, that's yeah. a key, key point for killing big bears. Go ahead. Well, most of the baits I set up are steep and rugged, my two most successful ones. But I do have them set up because, let me kind of back up a little bit. The population has gotten so large where we hunt. Most people I don't think would believe us. But the last time I truly baited hard, I had 40 different bears hitting three bait sets. 
So the sheer volume of bait we have to put out to feed 40 bears for two weeks or 30 days or whatever you decide to bait to try to have one there come open and day, you can't carry all that in. So yeah. I can't drive a truck to any, well, I can't drive a truck to any of mine, but I can drive a side-by-side. Yeah. So, and they get used to that. You know, you go in there, you drive the side-by-side. I'm at my bait sites, I put two 55-gallon barrels of bait, plum full, you're stacking it on top. And I'm not saying every year is exactly like that, but on a good baiting year, they're eating all that in a couple of days. Really. When you're saying good baiting year, you mean not much mass, not, not much, much mass, natural food. And there's hitting lot, the bait they're hard. hitting yeah. the baits really hard, absolutely. When there's a lot of activity at a bait, right. you know, some years is going to be less for that very reason. But when you do hit it perfect and all the bears are hitting your bait, man, that year I was filling up that much bait every other day. Yeah. Or it was bone dry empty, not because mm-hmm. I wanted to. It was we had to put out that much bait to keep bears coming. So I drive the side by side in there. You beat and bang around. You, I use metal barrels just because I can chain them to the tree, and they got the lid. I can bolt the ring down so they don't dump Take it out the too much. Off, yeah. You know, right? And I'm not saying it's the best. That's just what I do. <clears throat> but I'm gonna do that on opening day. I'm not gonna have opening day be a day I miss. Right? I'm gonna get up. I'm gonna drink coffee, whatever. At midday, I'm gonna go check the cameras to see if my bear's still coming. Was he there last night before dark? I'm going to refresh the bait, make noise, just do my normal routine. Because just like we said, he's probably laying out there. If he was still there and hadn't left for the mass crop mm-hmm. yet, he's not far. I guarantee you yeah. he can hear that ATV yes. and you banging on that barrel when you're making, yeah. putting out bait, right? So I don't really try to be quiet when I'm putting out bait. I'm, right. I mean, I don't. Maybe, you're not trying to hide your yeah, scent. I don't try to maybe make too much extra noise, but I bang around and do my stuff and clink the barrel and hit it with the stick sometimes and i got a funny story about that in canada but anyway uh so that's what i do then we leave and then just try to slip in there you know a couple hours before dark or whatever time we want to go in that day then we're stealth about getting in there that time you know but you don't want them to know yeah but the middle of the day i want them to think it's just another day man he's come beating a bang them barrels are full of donuts i'm gonna go eat tonight do you have a lot of your mature bears come in that evening the day you bait oh yeah do you yeah see that's <clears throat> let me uh so let me go back to baiting routine and then i then we can jump right into the day right but i think when you're baiting a bear so you're, you're trying to create this safe zone mm-hmm. where this bear feels comfortable coming into your bait and so the more consistent you can be the better like even in terms of timing because what people run into is that they have jobs and they can't bait until like evening time. Um, in a, and I'm just going to describe best case scenario and people can craft this to fit their life. But I think this is pretty best case scenario type stuff is that I only bait my really good spots between about 11 and 2 mm-hmm. during the day. Yeah. And I would rather miss a day of baiting than to go in there at 7 o'clock in the evening and blow that bear out. I won't do it. Yeah. 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 So yeah. so it's like the more, the, more, it's, the more predictable that you are, the more predictable your big bears are going to be. They're, because if, you, if he's in there strutting around at 6.30 in the afternoon, thinking about what a great life he has eating all this bait, and for the last 10 days you've only been in there at midday, and he's like, man, that guy ain't coming back till tomorrow. <laughs> And then you roll up on a side by side, or day after tomorrow. 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, you roll up and blow him out of there, man. You have spooked that. Now, the 200 pound bear, the. He's going to sit out there and watch. He it. doesn't care. Yeah. That guy right there pointing yeah. to the big bear over there. He, gone. he cares. Yeah. He so, probably. Consistency. He's either going nocturnal or he's not coming back. Yeah. That time of year. Now, you might get away with that 30 days before season. Yeah. But the closer we get to season and you got photo period coming into play and other stuff. Yeah. He's gone. They get know? touchier. That's a great yeah. point. They <laughs> get touchier, the cl- at least here. Yeah. Man, like right now, you could and we could legally bait bears right now in mm-hmm. Arkansas because we're under thirty days out. You could go out right now and make bear baiting look easy. That's right. Oh, yeah, you yeah. could put out yeah, acorns aren't falling yet. Yeah, I mean yeah. bears would just be we're two weeks earlier and coming period. in the daytime, yeah. and then the closer you get to that end of September, more mass becomes available. These bears have this innate draw to want to get back into their natural fall ranges. And boy, you mess up just a little bit, you can screw the thing up with the big bears. Absolutely. Uh, so th- the timing stuff or the the consistency stuff, that's kind of my best ideas on it is just be as consistent as possible. And if you can only bait in the evening times, if you work and you can only do it, just do it that's the same every time. Yeah. Just don't, you know, I mean, just be consistent with whatever you do. Mm-hmm. You don't want to surprise that bear. But I, that's my thoughts on it. The last couple hours of daylight is their time, and the last thing you want to do is have him nervous or on his toes, you know, trying to win constantly. Or, yeah, you don't you don't want to ruin that that time in the evening. Well, we're getting a little bit out of order, but that's fine. Let's talk about Heath brought up like the day of the hunt. What do you? And that was great. So you're going to go in and bait like normal. Check cameras, bait, do the normal stuff. I yeah. Because, yeah, I just think being consistent like that. Because, like I said, on those, I'm not baiting every day. I'm baiting at least every other day, okay. you know. But And I usually try to time it out where I don't bait the day before and I do bait the day of season so okay. it stays routine. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm not saying that's 100% every year. just depends on work and stuff too. But, um, yeah, I just think being routine like that is just key. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you, Ryan? What do you do? I usually bait the day before season rolls in, bait real heavy. Uh, for me and where I'm hunting, uh, seems like the mature bears don't want to come in as early. I mean, some years they do, but I've always done the day before season, bait real heavy the day of, which, you know, we probably all got cell cameras out nowadays and not me. I'm a traditionalist. Yeah, yeah I don't yeah, either. I understand, but you know, <laughs> but I would be you probably good, use a but crossbow they would be too, good don't for you? a bear bait. That uh, yeah, it would be. And yeah. I usually go Did in. You hear what I said? I just threw you under the bus. I said you probably use a crossbow too, don't you? <laughs> no, I ain't that old yet. <laughs> but uh, no, usually you know slip in midday, and I may be a little stealthier than other people. I will usually try to find a water puddle or if not i'll grind my boots even though i I think they're clean i will grind them in a cedar limb or a pine limb just little natural cover scent when i'm walking in which i have bears that will come down my baiting path to the bait you know depending on which way the wind is but i won't touch any saplings i won't touch any foliage Uh, my hands don't touch anything but what i'm carrying and I will ease up that tree just Can as you climb quiet. a tree stand without your hands? 
No. No, I, just feet only. Feet only. But, you know, I get up maybe there. maybe you had an elevator. No, no. It's like a, like a punch a button and <laughs> I wish. It just takes you right to the top. I don't own one of them redneck stands like you got. <laughs> like us rich yeah. guys. But, no, I slip in just as quiet as a mouse and... That's so you go ninja on them on a day. I do. Don't always work, but that's just you know makes me feel better about that. You know, so what I have a trend I've seen Heath with my bears is that I feel like the big bears, like he's saying, will hit it hardest the day after I bait. I find a lot of times the big ones on the day I'm there are more nervous to come in, but the second day it's like. Plenty of bait. Well, because they probably came in that night, and they know the barrels are full, so yeah. the next day they're hammering it, you know. Right. Yeah. And so I usually I usually like to bait the day before, full throttle, just make noise, leave scent, and then slip in like a ninja at about mm-hmm. 2 o'clock, you know. And I us- that's what I usually do. Like shooting light around that time of year, I don't know. It seems like it's getting dark about 7. 7.15. 7. Yeah. 7.15. And so I'll try to get in way before peak movement. You know, it seems like I always end up trying to get in there about two or th- well, about three o'clock. Yeah. And set the last four hours. And, you know, the last hour is really when you're going to kill one. But you don't want to get in there too late or you'll bump bears. Uh, Quick question. Do y'all ever, like, have these rogue bears that just sometimes they'll roll in at noon or one o'clock and – Big ones. Yeah, yeah. big whoppers. Yeah. You know, the uh, Booner I killed back in 2015, 2016, I never hardly got any nighttime pictures of that bear. Daylight, every hour of the day, he was oh, guarding that, that yeah. bait site. I studied my pictures for a long time, and from 1 o'clock to 2 o'clock, I never hardly got any pictures of him. So mm. I thought that opening day i'm sneaking in right at one o'clock and i want to ease in there without bumping him off he come in as i was walking into the bait oh man yeah Mm. so i remember that you shot him off the ground yeah yeah i was able to took my boots off and sock feet and snuck up there within like nine yards and got an arrow in sweet yeah yeah but I'm, you know, every and that's unusual though. I'd yeah. say that's highly unusual yeah. Yeah. for a, especially a Boone and Crockett. Well, every bear. three or four years, I always have this one mature bear that just does something opposite of what. And you know what? That is really what we're trying to capitalize on. Yeah, it's like you can bait for ten years, and three of those years, you're going to have a bear that just really cooperates. Yeah, yeah. The rest of the time, it's just they're all. Like humans, they all have their own personality mm-hmm. and the way they want to do things. You know, they're all different. And, and, it all, and I think a lot of it depends on what people may not think about is their previous experience at a bait site somewhere else. Exactly. Yeah. You know, our bait site probably, if he's that old, that bear was nine, but I don't know, that bear is way older. They've been to a bait site somewhere before. Yes. Yeah. You know, how many human encounters have they had on bait? Have they been shot at before and missed or run mm-hmm. off two or three times with an ATV or... You know, who knows? So in their mind, we don't know what they're thinking because we don't have a clue what, how, first off, how old they even are and how many years of experience they've had at somebody else's bait who don't know maybe what they're doing or is not as careful or whatever, you know? Yeah. I mean, you just don't know. Yeah. Well, what we do know is that they 
they program, they understand your patterns probably better than you understand your own. Mm. Well, that's why I talk about the consistency. Yeah. yeah. Baiting on time, making the noise, and it makes them comfortable sliding. You know, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I killed a bear in Alberta one year. One day we weren't seeing anything, and uh, I climbed out of the tree and got a stick and banged on the barrel and climbed back and standing before I got a standing <laughs> bear come walking in. You know, there wasn't no bait in it. But I banged on the barrel with a stick, and they were conditioned to that noise that somebody had been there yeah. to bait. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm about to go bang on this barrel. I'm tired of not seeing nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it worked then. It wouldn't, you know, I'm not saying it's going to work every time you do that. But yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool. You know, everybody's bears are going to respond different too based upon where they're at. I mean, like those Canadian bears are like, especially the wilderness bears. They're not bears, as cautious, right? Yeah. They're not as cautious. Yeah. These bears down here are going to be pretty cautious yeah. a lot of places in the u.s where people are baiting maine michigan idaho i mean you almost have to hunt these bear like deer mm-hmm. you know but up in canada boy you can just about anything goes and if you're hunting younger but you know i remember one time we called in a bear in arkansas by called in i got my air quotes up here me and that buddy were hunting uh lee walt my buddy lee walt we yeah. were hunting and we hunted the morning that year is when i first he just could only hunt one day or something. Mm-hmm. We hunt. We did hunt the morning. He just wanted a bear, and we didn't have a big bear at this bait. We just had average bears. We went in there in the morning, sat there for an hour and a half, didn't see any bears, and I said, stay here. I climbed out of the tree, went and got the truck, drove the truck in there, slammed the door, drove the truck back out, walked back in, and in 20 minutes, he'd shot a bear. Wow. Bear came in. I mean, he thought, you know. Yeah. It's your routine. Yep. You thought you just baited the barrel. Just yep. like hogs on a feeder. Yep. You know, when it yeah. spins, here they come. But that wouldn't have worked on that 500-pound bear. No. Though. It wouldn't have worked at all. No. Well, hey, this is this is all good stuff. Let's march down our list. So how far in advance do you guys start feeding bears? Some states have regulations that you can only, you know, you'll need to check your regs on the states. Like here in Arkansas, we can bait 30 days before season. In Oklahoma, there's no regulation on season. In Idaho... I believe some of those places out there, you can only bait like seven days before season. But what's your thoughts? Uh, a new bait probably as soon as possible. Uh, okay. You know, see, check inventory, uh, established bait that's been there for years and years. You know, bears are already there, uh, you know, two weeks, three weeks. That's should be ample amount because of time. Because you don't – it seems like – like the rational thought would be, well, I'm going to bait them as long as possible. If if you can start baiting in June, I'm going to start baiting in June. But there's a law of limited return, you know, on mm-hmm. a deal like this. Like there's a sweet spot because I found, do y'all tell me if you've, we've all had these conversations together over the years, but it's all kind of blurred together. I feel like it's hard to keep a single big bear for much more than about 10 to 14 days. I've nope. never had a 500-pound bear that just stayed on my bait for 30 straight days. No, they'll burn out, just yeah. like you. I mean, you don't want to eat steak every single night of the week. You I know? do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, most people don't, right? right? You know, I mean, you can only eat Chinese buffet so many yeah. nights a week, right? I mean, whatever it is. So, yeah, I agree. I think they do get burned out. I think there's a little more technical side to that question for me is is – Based on when season is and when the mast falls. To me, you have to start baiting long enough in advance to get the bears on there before the mast falls first, mm. right? Mm-hmm. So then if the mast is falling, or where we are, acorns, when I say mast, that's our mast, you know. But 
if I don't get him there before then, I'm probably not getting him there. Right. So, you know, we've had seasons varying in opening dates throughout history. So my process has kind of changed based on that. So now the way the season structure is, I would probably try to bait a little longer than previously, just because I know I got to, I got to get them there before the acorn fall. And then I got to try to hold them all the way to season, right? right? Yeah. If not, if the season was a little earlier and I knew I only had some, I mean, I knew I had X amount of days before season, I would do it a short, you know, two weeks, really. Like he said, established mm-hmm. baits, if the acorns ain't falling, you know, a couple weeks. I mean, yeah. really, 30 days is just too much time. Hey, you had a scenario <clears throat> one year, I remember, when we were both trying to do these shorter baits when you didn't have bears. Mm-hmm. So you we, you kind of got burned yeah. by it. And I remember that year because we were talking about it. We're like, man, we're just going to bait 10, 10 days, days this year. I don't think I ever had a bear come in that year. And so the bears had already – They'd already filled You know, they, they may have – Heath, they may have even moved off to other bait sites. True. Somebody started baiting before you. Or, you know, even an established bait that may be because of season changed. The year or two before, we had started baiting at X date. And then now we're, well, I'm only 10 days before season, but season was two weeks later, maybe. I see what you're saying. Yeah, we've kind of <clears> had a, bear, a season that rode yeah. in a two-week period. Yeah. So the bears may have came by before we started baiting. They're like, eh, nothing here. I'm going to go on down to this other bait, right? Yeah. So I think it depends, actually, yeah. to answer your question. I don't want to have to bait any bear 30 days because with the volume bears we have, they just take too much bait yeah. to keep them there. Right. The, 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 here's yeah. the answer the least amount of time Ex- you can yeah, yeah exactly i mean you don't but you, you have to do it early enough to get your bears on your bait. that's right mm-hmm. so that's the key it all kind of we're all working inside of a real world where none of us just have it's not our full-time job to bait bears so it's like you have a limited amount of bait there's only so much bait you've got there's only so much time you've got there's only you know so it's like finding that sweet spot and uh, some of the places Ryan's got, I think he could probably go in five days before season <laughs> yeah. and put out bait. Yeah, better spots and, st- and baits that have been established that many yeah. years, absolutely, as long as the acorns aren't falling. I think right a now. lot of guys, especially some of these guys that's just getting into it, they want to look at pictures and the baiting process. That's part of the fun. You oh, know, yeah. That's part of it the hunt. Is. And they want to see bear pictures as soon as possible and can't. Oh yeah, Bam, you know that. Yeah, I mean everybody wants That's to cool do that. To see a big bear hit the bait. Yeah, yeah. But you know, if if it's somewhere you know there's going to be bears, and say you've already been in there and done your tree stand work, trimmed out some lanes or something, you're already seeing padded out trails and stuff. So you know, there's to me, there's no reason to go ahead and start baiting thirty days before season. And, right. But it, I, I, if a guy just wants to kill a bear, then by all means do right. it but when we're talking about four five hundred six hundred pound bears here's the here's the best case scenario if i go to some one of my baits and i put out a bait on august the 29th and i see my target bear show up there the day i put out bait i kind of cringe a little bit He's probably yeah. not gonna be there in a month i'm just like what are the chances i'm gonna hold him for a month best case scenario and this has happened many times <clears throat> is my target bear shows up about a week before season after I've been baiting for about 10 days or two weeks. And I'm like, okay, I can hold him for a week. You know, that's ideal. Um, so I had a guy even more ideal is two or three days before. season. I mean, this was a long story back when I very first started, I shot and didn't recover a big bear several years ago. One of the only times I've ever had this happen. And 
he showed up and I can go through pictures and show you this too, but at least for me, I don't know what you guys see, but if a big bear comes to my bait, whenever, the first time he comes to the bait that year, I guarantee you he'll be there in daylight the next day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every time. I had the big bear I shot show up. We'd baited a couple of weeks and there wasn't really any big bears that year. Kind of odd. A big bear showed up the night before season. And he, and the only Money. reason I knew that was I went in the first day of season, went ahead and baited midday, checked cameras, pulled the cart. I'm like, holy cow, there's a big bear. He came in right after dark. I don't remember. It may have been the middle of the night, but he came in that night, first time been there. And I'm like, that bear will be here in daylight today, I guarantee you. So we were planning on hunting somewhere else. Totally switched our game plan, and I, I did shoot the bear. But it was back when I was I was twenty five feet in the tree, and he was right here, and I shot real low. low. I hit, yeah, it wasn't a fatal shot. It was a rookie mistake. Young bear hunter still kind of learn what to do, you know. And so I, I he, he was a big bear. He wasn't five hundred, but he was probably four hundred. He was a really he nice was a bear. Dandy. Yeah, I remember pictures yeah, of him. He was a big bear. So. I see that too. So you're right. I mean, if you could time it out to where season starts just two or three days after them big bears get there, I think your chances of killing them are yeah. a lot better. That's happened. Know? That seems to happen pretty regularly. Uh, the a big bear that killed in Oklahoma the first year. That wasn't the first year I hunted over there, but uh, I called him the No Name Bear because he showed up the day before season. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a name for him. I had you know all these other bears that I knew, and they were big bears, and. Uh, he was he came in the opening day like nothing you know i've also had an opening day bear bite me not literally but uh two years ago no last year when i was hunting with river at the mule bait which is a remote bait we use our mules to access we showed up opening day and that morning at 10 o'clock we're there at like one o'clock we've rode our mules in there and I checked the card, and there is a monster that showed up that morning at 10 o'clock and stayed at the bait. And I told River, I said, that bear will be here. I mean, he's he's within 250 yards of us right now. The problem was is that it was his first time at the bait, and we hadn't been there in two or three days. So he came into that bait, never smelled a human, and he came in. We watched him. I saw him. He came in at like 3.30 and got 40 yards downwind of us, smelled us, and never came back to the bait again. Mm -hmm. Now, if he had been there and three hours after we'd baited three days before, Mm -hmm. and he'd have been like, huh, there's a human over here, but look at this good food. Do you see the scenario? Oh, yeah. I mean, like, he, it was the perfect <clears throat> timing for him to nail us. Yeah, that was out of your control. There was nothing yeah. you could do with that. But so you, you, you want them, these big bears have to know. And in that particular spot that it was so remote, those bears acted like Canadian bears almost. A big bear that River shot and didn't recover smelled us, looked at us in the tree, and just strutted in like nothing. He just kind of cautiously came in downwind that color face bear Mm -hmm. like anyway that wasn't normal either he usually would have winded us and left he winded us and was just kind of like you're up in the tree but anyway pretty wild that's odd though you're not gonna have that happen very often that's odd and you kick yourself because you're like man we should have done something different but you don't know yeah i mean yeah just don't happen very often right okay man this is a great discussion okay let's talk about what type of bait what type of bait? What do you put out? Whatever you can come up with. I'm going to say in the fall, 
you're probably going to try to do more carbohydrates than anything. That's what they're geared for in the falls to put it's on weight. It's kind of weight. your diet, too. But it? aren't you yeah, still? Yeah, yeah. Do you still use beavers quite a bit here? Or? Not as much. Uh, I tell you what, when the bait's hot and heavy, you got lots of bears coming in, they will just carpet bomb a beaver carcass. But if there's not a lot of bears and that thing starts going rancid, they don't like it. They don't like it. It's vice versa as in Canada. I mean, them guys will use rancid meat up there, and the bears will just Destroy feast it. on it. Right. Down here, once you get some stank to it and maggots, then they you just like got a it. big mess. Yeah. Yeah, but on the years where there's not a lot of mast and they're hammering the, your baits, if you got a beaver carcass, man, it's icing on the cake. Yeah. Now, see, I would have uh, – now, I've never I've never put a beaver out in Arkansas, but I've heard of guys doing it and bears not hitting it. Yeah. Here. Now, in Canada, they'll go crazy. Mm-hmm. But, okay, walk me through what you put on your bait. Just just list out the stuff. Uh, pastries, mostly pastries, uh, dog food. Just like food. donuts you're getting from donuts, a donut shop. Yep, bread. Uh, bread that you're – this, you know, bread from a – Thrift store or something, white bread, wheat bread, out of date stuff. You bagels, yep. pita bread. Like mm-hmm. people ask these kind of questions, we we know because we've filtered through it all for all of you. But any of that stuff, they'll eat. Yeah, yeah. Go. I'm not trying to interrupt no, you. I'm no, just, just to. you know, corn, dog food, whatever a guy. Can okay, eat. now you're the one that taught me about a corn barrel. Mm-hmm. So Ryan will have probably two metal barrels and we'll go ahead and say all of us are using metal barrels mm-hmm. i'm cutting an eight inch hole above the lowest ring trying to get a barrel that's got a top like he said that you can screw together mm-hmm. and you, we're just chaining that to a tree or you can put eye bolts off the back of this barrel and chain it to a tree that's there's no secret to that no. some places you can't use metal barrels you got to use stumps and stuff oh like yeah natural, like, north. like a natural so you know check your regulations most places you can use metal barrels. Plastic barrel is just the same, but plastic barrels usually, the lid is not as good as usually, so or they don't have a removable lid. Yeah. Anyway, we're all using metal barrels. Just cut, use a sawzall and just cut about an eight-inch hole down towards the bottom. But Ryan um, will take a 55-gallon drum, a two-inch circular metal saw, yep. put two-inch holes maybe seven or eight around the base of that barrel eye bolt coming off the back of the with some big washers and an eye bolt chain it to a tree fill it with 300 pounds of corn and pour about two gallons of grease with northwoods gold rush in it and you have a a corn roller barrel when everything else is gone that's still going to be there just to keep them interested because they'll 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 high grade the bait they'll go they'll hit and different bears are different, but, you know, they're probably going to eat the donuts and the bread and the sardines or whatever you've put out first. And then if they just pound it, you've still got this grease barrel that they'll come in and roll around. And last year, it takes I more, didn't... It takes more time, too. Yeah. they got to roll it around. Yeah. A little bit falls out. Yep. Yep. And, you know, certain years, it's better than others. Like I say, when there's not much natural food, they will pound the corn. But some years they don't want to touch it as much, you know. It, yeah. It, it varies from year to year. Yeah. Okay, so bread, grease, dog food. Dog food, 
old sweets. I've used gummy worms, Skittles. Uh, yeah, you name it. I mean, okay. <clears throat> Heath, what do you use? Same thing. I mean, I, you know, there for a few years we were going in and buying semi truckload of sweets, you know, so it changed yeah. a little bit. I, the best I've ever found was donuts. They love mm. donuts, but you can't get an unlimited supply. One year, the year I killed that bear right there, matter of fact, they had put in a new Dunkin' Donuts where I lived at the time, brand new, and they did not know how many donuts a day they needed to make. Mm. And they were literally throwing away half a truckload of trash bags full of donuts every night because they were cooking too many donuts. Uh. And you could just go by and get them out of the dumpster. <laughs> so one year I had like, for a short time, it didn't last long because they figured it out, but I had like this yeah. unlimited supply of Every kind of donut you could imagine that Dunkin' Donuts You'd find made. the bird nest on the ground. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it was unreal. And uh, But, yeah, same thing. I mean, I still, you know, then we were using cookies and Oreo cookies with the cream filling worked really good. Some of the ice cream sandwich cookies. Where we are, I don't use corn as much. I don't think my bears, and I think a lot of it's where you are, obviously, and the timing of season, too. Yeah. Um, so early in the year, yeah, they're hitting corn right now. Yeah. You could just go yeah. pour out corn, and I mean, you can't even get pictures of your deer right now because mm-hmm. the bears, right? Yeah. But the closer we get to season, yeah, I'd do the same thing. <clears throat> I'd do kind of similar to what Ryan does with popcorn, though we were getting the big cherry popcorn or caramel popcorn for a yeah, while yeah. instead of corn. Candy, candy, and I'd put it stuff. in a quasi roller barrel. It might have a bigger hole in it, but I'd like chain it to the tree on a, just a rubber barrel. I'd still have my two main metal drums full of the regular stuff but i'd fill it full of that candied popcorn and the same thing they could roll it around get some of the popcorn out and it's interesting they're like humans to me the one year i had lowrider you remember Mm -hmm. him for a couple well two three years big 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 chocolate bear biggest chocolate bear i've ever seen in arkansas and another big bear coming one of those bears and i can't remember which now loved the popcorn one of them would never eat it Mm. he would always eat other big barrels so it is personality to me too. Yeah, some bears yeah. like some things and some bears don't just like the way we do, you know? So a lot of that's just, you need to research, check your game cameras and see what he's eating, you yeah. know? And if this one bear is not eating the popcorn all the time and he's the one that you're wanting to kill, you need to maybe try to start Well, he likes. I mean, I know he likes this more. I need to keep more of this because I want him to be coming in, right? Yeah. <clears throat> but, uh, so yeah, donuts are my favorite, but you just can't ever get enough donuts yeah I mean, it's, it's just hard to source. bread grease you know yep. one of the things i used one for a few years i had a good connection too you know you talk about fryer oil and just grease but i had a friend that had a a barbecue restaurant and he had his big pit smoker in the restaurant and he smoked whole new meat every night for the next day's meals and he had a big huge spigot on the back side of this big a smoker that all the grease and drippings would run out into a five gallon bucket. Mm. And it was like, I mean, you'd want to dip a biscuit in it and eat it. It was, <laughs> it was barbecue drippings. I Did mean, you ever do it? Oh, it was, it, it smelled so good. You don't you, have to admit it. Yeah. And so for there for a few years too, I would have him start, I'd take him buckets with lids that he could put on it good and start stack, you know, stocking That's up on that. And it had a really good, strong odor. And, you know, we'll talk about grease, too, but grease gets on their feet, and they track yes. it back in the woods. And b- Essential other bears. component, yeah. I feel like, for a good bear yeah. bait is yeah. some sort of grease. I mean, 
and even if it's just grease you buy at Walmart and you're pouring it on the ground even to get on their feet so they track it off, yep. another bear is going to smell it and follow that track back in. So it helps the other bears in the area find your bait a lot quicker, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, not only was I doing that, but they loved this grease because it was actually dripping out of a smoke pit. So you could yeah. put, if I didn't have donuts, I had the Dale bread store stuff. You could fill the bread, sop it in this drippings right out of the smoke pit. Holy cow, they love that. Yeah. You know? So yeah. I'm sure it's like anybody else. In my experience, every year I don't always have access to the same thing. Yeah, you kind of got to be because it's creative. hard to get. Yeah, you know, especially baits, nowadays. Yeah, bait's hard. A lot to of get. bear hunting's really caught on. It is, yeah. and a lot of people don't want to. You know, I was getting pastries and stuff at a day old bread store one time for quite a while. Well, they got to where they didn't want to sell them to you because some guy bought them and went and sold them to somebody. You know, and right. they didn't want to get sued for somebody eating a bad pastry. You know, so then they would stop giving the bear hunters the. Well, yeah. we weren't, I mean, we were having to buy them. They weren't giving them to us, but they just stopped giving them. So you're like, well, heck, there goes my whole supply of pastries. I got to find some somewhere else, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've so got, that, it's I've a got huge a, undertaking, you know? I've got a tip for people trying to get bait from like commercial places, whether it's a donut store, whether it's a thrift store, because people always want to know what you're going to do with it. And you don't, don't lie to them, but feed bread. That's what I ask for. When I call thrift stores, I'm like, yeah. do y'all have feed bread? Because right. a lot of people buy this stuff for livestock. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, I, I don't ever lie, but, you it know, is feed I've, bread. Been, I've learned from some good people over the years <laughs> that you yeah. only give as much information away as you need. Because right. I have for sure, early on, oh, I yeah, remember man. buying bread and I'd be like, man, we're baiting bears. And I mean, oh, I've, no. it's dried up before because of that. Yeah. That's a good uh, tip. Yeah, so feed bread. That's a good way to say it. A lot of people feed livestock and pigs and stuff with that stuff. Mm-hmm. Hey, let me tell you what I would do just in real short. Because to me, this isn't – people think this is like the magic bullet to killing a big bear is what kind of bait you use. I don't – I think it's a couple of notches down. I think it's less important. If you have quality bait, um, basically you got to feed them what they'll eat. This is what I'll do on the first time that I bait, which will probably be – in the next 10 days sometime is all by 50 pounds of cheap dog food. I'll have five gallons of, of grease, which depending on what I can get, I may go to Walmart and buy three or four gallons, well, maybe just three or four gallons of canola oil. And I will put my Northwoods gold rush, gold rush in that brand new canola oil. Uh, then I'll have my feed bread from the thrift store, which is just going to be a conglomeration of wheat bread, white bread, whatever I've got. And I will pour a fifty-five gallon or a fifty-pound bag of dog food in that barrel, and it'll fill that barrel up almost to the bottom of my hole because I've got I cut that hole above, you know, about fifteen inches up mm-hmm. from the bottom. Of the, so there'll be dog food food down there. I'll pour some grease on that dog food, maybe half a gallon, gallon of grease. And then I will literally stuff that barrel full of bread, so much so that I'm having one of my kids or me jump on the bread to compress it down into that bait barrel. Mm-hmm. And we'll put, I don't know how many pounds of bread you can put in there, but a lot, probably 200 pounds of bread. And then I'll put the lid on that thing. And uh, if depending upon if it's a really good bait that I anticipate bears pounding, I'll probably do that a second time with another barrel, and then I'll fill up my corn roller barrel. I'll set my camera in a bear box. You gotta have a bear box. Yeah. I mean, you're gonna, you might as well get a 
get a camera you can put in a bear box because the bears are they may not destroy it they're just curious they're going to knock it <clears throat> around and they're going to turn it sideways and i'd say there's about a 40 percent chance they're going to destroy it yeah you know i have people that say man i've never had bears mess with it it's just a matter of time if you, you do it much especially you know? if you got quality cameras yeah. You know, if you have good cameras, they cost a lot of money today. You know, you want to protect them. So yeah. I actually found double A batteries in bear scat before. Have you really? <laughs> I have. No kidding. Oh, I'll be darned. Yeah. Well, that's my that's my baiting. I that's got, typically what I'd bait. I got with. one thing to add, kinda of on Ryan's point. I know Ryan used to use beavers and or still do sometimes he talked about going rancid. You know, I think sometimes we've talked about and or I've done Sometimes if you want to hold the bear another few more days and try to keep him there, uh, and I don't mean a bear, a big bear, you can add beef scraps or beef fat or right. something a little different to their diet. And they don't get a lot of meat here, right? And I've tried that, and I do think it works. But I also agree with Ryan 100%. you got to be very careful because the moment that goes rancid, they stop it. Our bears yeah. here do not want rancid meat. Bears are opportunists. Yeah. You know, they're kind of cumbersome. <clears throat> they don't get to eat red meat real often so right. when there is but if you put too much here's here's the bad scenario if you go in there and they're hammering it and you put a bunch of bait or say a bunch of meat scraps on top of the bait and just coincidentally the acorns start falling that night <laughs> yeah whoo you got a mess on your hands yeah and then they and then it just it's nasty so well, you got to be careful but clay you know pork or beef yeah fat yep. with no meat on it just the fat right it will Last. last a little bit well yeah. and that you were reading my notes heath because that's what i was going to talk about i feel like and we've all had this conversation is that a key to holding a bear i think can be to strategically add something new just before season mm -hmm. that intrigues them a little bit and i'll walk you through a scenario i've i've had this happen multiple years baiting a big bear and he you know, closer you get to season, the more nocturnal he becomes, the less he comes to your bait. And if you can put something new out there that he's not seen that he likes, you'll have a chance of keeping him around a little bit longer. So usually what I do is I'll buy – you can go to just about any butcher, a custom butcher, and buy a 50-pound box of pork fat or beef fat, frozen. It would be a real neat, nice little box. 50 pounds for 25 to 35 dollars mm -hmm. i mean it's not expensive and then strategically put that out with your bait like i put it right on top of the barrel i would go in and bait just like i described and then just put it right on top of the barrel and i've seen bears come in and not eat a donut not eat corn just carry off a big slab of fat you can do it with beef trimmings too like you might be able to go to a butcher and get uh, beef trimmings i one time watched a bear come in walk past donuts walk past corn and start crunching beef bones yep. it was just that time of year it was just like two weeks before it would have probably ignored that meat and it would have ate donuts and corn and dog food it could have cared less about at that at this point though it'd been eating those carbohydrates for couple weeks yep. i don't know 10 days or whatever yep. and then you've switched to this new source of protein or meat and they're like wow this is this is awesome man that's right i'm it, hooked i'm coming back to this chinese and, buffet for a couple more days and that's <laughs> all you need that's you're right. just trying to get them to hang on and so for sure always the time before that i bait the the, the, the last time i bait before season man i'm putting some good stuff out and i'll tell you 
the El Primo bait that I have never, ever, ever witnessed a bear not eat. Shh. Don't tell it. Don't tell them. You're right. I'm not going to tell them. <laughs> They're going to have to go to our pay for podcast That's right. to get this one. Yeah. No, sardines. I have never not seen a bear eat a can of sardines. I've seen them walk past corn, donuts, dog food, beef, meat, any, I mean, like, you know, a blueberry pie. I don't know. I've never seen one walk over a can of sardines. Maybe they have, but. It's like gold to them. So the day before season, I usually put out a lot of sardines. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, I put those out throughout the year. Me and James Lawrence, James is pretty good at finding these like bargain sardine deals. And he'll have, <laughs> he'll have 50 cans of sardines, you know, and we'll, we'll eat some of them or bait and bears, but then we'll, we'll I start uh, to say James probably finds sardines for himself. Oh, <laughs> me and James are cut from the same cloth, man. Yeah. We're like, we, we both gain a little weight during bear baiting season. Yeah. Um, but I think that's a, a key point for holding a big bear. If we're talking about big bears, you got to be consistent. You got to be where they are. You're not going to kill a big bear where there's not one. So if your bait doesn't have one, you need to find somewhere else to bait. And you can, that's the best trick I've got. I mean, like people are like, well, can you go in and do a honey burn? You know, the day that you hunt and draw one in that hadn't been there in four days. I don't think so. I've never seen it where like there's no just like magic bullet. You know, how do you make him be not not be nocturnal? That's probably the biggest question I got. There I don't I think the the way to not keep one or the way to for one to kill one that's nocturnal is you may not be able to. There's just some bears that are probably unkillable, but you just got to keep stacking everything in your favor. You got to be in a place he's comfortable in the daytime. You got to give him the food he wants. You got to mix it up just a little bit on that opening day. You've got to, we all think well, you shouldn't the hunt the mornings. You well, should hunt the evening. What you're talking about, too, though. And here's the thing about that. I mean, it's just like if the wind's totally wrong opening day, you're not going to kill the bear if you go in there. Yeah. Yep. You know, I mean, we all want to go hunt, but if all of a sudden we get a rain front came in and we got that north wind, you might as well not go. Yep. You know, if you're up. after a big one. <laughs> yeah, it's just like deer. Yeah. I mean, they're, they smell, you know, their ability to smell is better than deer. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you got to be a smart hunter too, you know, on top of everything we're talking about. That's right. Yeah. Um, scent attractants, commercial scent attractants. We talk, talked a little bit about Gold Rush. <clears throat> What's been your experience with I've scent used it. I think it works. You know, the I think I've last time or two I baited pretty hard. I used some of that cherry bomb spray or cherry, cherry one burst. of the cherry flavors from yeah. there and yeah would spray it up in the trees where it smell better and carry and then i put some of the stuff in the grease or whatever because i i didn't use it when i had that connection to get the barbecue drippings because it had its own smell right yeah so i didn't need it but yeah if you're just using regular fry oil you should use it i mean it's inexpensive for as much as it smells and the tract and it gives the grease in your bait side in my opinion i th- i think it adds it would be hard to put a percentage on it really scientifically to say how much more scent power your bait would have. But I would say it would be, it would double at least. I mean, like natural, natural bait only has so much scent. And this stuff is chemically designed to like be loud, as Ryan says. Yeah. You know, to just have this loud smell. And so it's just going to carry better. It's going to carry further. It's going to stick on stuff better. 
and scent is everything. That's the way you're gonna. That's the way you're gonna and attract the, bears. Exactly. Adding to the bears getting the grease on their paws and walking down the trails. If they got that smelly grease on there, they're gonna smell it way back in there. That's you right. know, so it's gonna last longer. That oil based chemicals gonna last longer on the plants when they're rubbing, mm-hmm. going down the trail and stuff. Yep. So, I mean, that's the key really with the grease and the tracting is to get as many bears as quickly as you can to know the baits there. Yep. Especially if you're, you know, I mean, maybe not for thirty days, but for me, it's always I got a bait to get the bears here before acorns, and then I gotta hold them till season, right? Yeah. So, the key is I got to get all the bears in there and know. There's a bait here. Well, that yeah. grease is a huge factor in that. You know, I've, I also think it's important to uh, continue to use the scents throughout the season because, just like I said earlier, you might be attracting a bear two days before season opener, and he may be the one you kill. Like a, a lot of guys, I've heard people say, and, and I may have even said it, that I like to use commercial scents when I'm opening a bait. Well, I've now kind of drifted my philosophy is I like to use commercial sense the whole time because two days before season, you may draw in a bear from four miles away. That is the one you want to kill mm-hmm. where if you, if you just use it at the beginning to get some bears coming in, you know, maybe you wouldn't have got, I mean, if, if we're talking about best case scenario to kill big bears, I, I keep using it, especially with the yeah. gold rush stuff. I agree. Yeah. Hey, one thing we didn't say when we were talking about bait site placement, is that I feel like your bait has to be on the upwind. Well, the bait scent needs to be blowing into areas that hold the bears. And I've got two stories. And I've told this before, so if you've listened to these kind of podcasts, you've probably heard both these stories. One time I had a bait that uh, was on the rim of this big block national forest. I mean, everything was beautiful about this bait, except it was on the north side of a big giant block of national forest and north of the bait was just civilization. I mean, just farms and cattle pastures and places bears didn't want to be. Well, a South wind that whole time in September, which usually, you know, most of our winds are out of the South in September. Most of them. Well, it just so happened the three weeks that I baited, we never got a North wind. So the wind was constantly coming out of the, good bear country blowing into all the farm country. I could never attract a bear there. You know, if we'd had a north wind, it would have blown that bait scent down into that wilderness and the bears would have been like, oh, dang, there it is. So I believe that if I'd had the same bait that was on the south side, you know, if you can follow my wind direction, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that's important. Another, Another time I had a killer bait site in terms of area, rugged, remote, big country. And the wind was always blowing up this canyon, which is where all the, where I came from. And really the bears were down, you know, kind of like downstream into this big national forest. Well, I put out a bait and, uh, for a week didn't get a bear. This is over in Oklahoma. Yeah. And, uh, it just shocked me. No bears. How could this spot not produce a bear? Well, I took a, I took a, I, I, I did a little scent trail run with a drag. I did a little drag down on the property and got just around the point of these two big ridges. Basically, I, I had to be low, and there were two big ridges, and I was between them. 
I drug that scent just out beyond where those ridges came down, and it was a whole new draft of wind, I felt like. And within 24 hours, I had a bear. Just <clears throat> did a drag, scent drag, that just got my bait scent into a little bit different current. Yeah. And so that's important for I've attracting bears. Before, yeah. And if you can't, and here's a flip side of that, that bait is going to be better for you to hunt if you have a big bear coming because he's that's not right. going to smell you. That's right. So setting them up like that and then doing a drag to get the bears there, then having the grease there for the bears to disperse the scent for you, yeah. it actually makes it a better spot to hunt. It's just harder to get the bears to come to it. You got yeah. a little more work you got to do for that. Yeah. So yeah. that's good. I've done that before, done a drag and not probably as far as you did, but just over the ridge down just to kind of yeah. and then yes. drag back out. And yeah, yes. I mean, it don't take no time. Bam, they follow that trail right in. And then the bears are leaving their scent and they're creating trails everywhere. So right. you don't have to. All you got to have is one bear come in. If you get yep. one bear come You'll in. You'll tell all the rest of them. All the rest of them are going to figure it out. But you got to yeah. get the one bear to come in first. What would you guys say? We've we've covered everything we said we were going to cover. <clears throat> um, what do you think people would have questions about? Like, you know, like how to set up trail cameras. I almost want to talk about how where to shoot a bear, like yeah. how to set up your stands and stuff. What I think an important subject is basically getting your stand set up, everything done before you even bait. Have everything, like I say, turnkey. Absolutely. And not be in there tinkering around, even okay. when you're baiting. Just that go in, bait, get out. That way the bear, first time he comes in, the stand's already there. Yeah. You don't want to. Being a climbing stand opening day and clanking yep. up a tree. I hate climbing or, stands. Yeah. Get all. For, for baiting bear. Get all your homework done right off the bat before you even bait and it's ready to go come opening day. Yeah, I agree 100%. How high do you put your stands, Heath? Honestly, for bear base now, and I've got to where I put ladder stands 15 to 18 feet, maybe. How mm -hmm. far is the bait away from your stand? 20 yards or less 18 20 yards is okay. my sweet spot about the same for same you. thing you get up higher than that though don't you uh i think it depends on your terrain a little bit yeah yeah, yeah i yeah, mean yeah. if you're too far downhill in some of the scenarios then i might need to be a little bit further well wh where i'm going to is shot angle shot angle yeah. i used to think i needed yeah. to be 25 feet up in a yeah. tree and that burnt me big time mm -hmm. it's man yeah, and it, it, it's a hard angle for deer any critter to be shooting at a super steep angle but I feel like a big bear or any bear is pretty dang unforgiving. Yeah, the two I have now, I have permanent ladder stands that just stay there. Right. I mean, I never move them, change the straps. One of them's probably a 15-footer, and one of them's an 18-footer, but it's more steep off the end of the point. So in our reality, it's probably only 15 feet above kind of the ground level. There, right. You know? um, I always – kind of the sweet spot that I've found, and Bernie Berenger has kind of helped me – or he has some pretty good philosophies on this too, but be 16 to 19 feet high and have the bait barrel 18 yards away. Yeah. Yeah. You get a, you, you're, Perfect you're up, know. you're up high enough that you're kind you know, your wind is a little bit better, but you're not up so high that your angle's super steep. 18 yards is just far enough that a bear is. In our reality, both of my good spots are probably seventeen to eighteen yards from the bait. You don't want to be twenty five. Yeah, no. I've 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 been to some Canadian hunts where they got a bait barrel twenty five yards out there, and I'm like, that's too far. <laughs> I mean, I could shoot at twenty five yards, right, yeah. But why? I just don't think it's necessary. 
but you don't want to be 10 yards from them either. You know, that's kind of a sweet spot, you know, really 15 to 20 feet, 18-ish yards. You don't want to be right on top of them. And that angle is super crazy. Now, just because we're getting close to opening day, let's real quickly go through shot placement stuff. And this is a whole podcast. I think me and you did a whole podcast on shot placement. Mm-hmm. We did. Yeah. And that podcast is still up, and I'll refer people to that. It's called Dummy's Guide to Shot Placement on Bear. And we nerd out for an hour or longer just about shot placement. But the biggest thing that I would say is a bear is not as big as he looks. He's got three inches of hair all the way around his body. He's got fat. fat. And so the biggest thing that I've seen people mess up on is shoot him too low. Yeah, you do not shoot them like a whitetail. You don't want to try to heart shoot a bear. Because they don't duck like a whitetail for one. That's right. I mean, that's the whole key. That's another podcast. But, you know, deer duck, bears don't. That's right. That's exactly The reason we aim low and tight on a whitetail is because that animal is going to move at the sound of the string. He's going to drop and then lunge to get away. You're you're always going to hit him a little higher than you're aiming. A bear is not that case. Yeah. I mean, you should be able to pick out a tick on the bear and hit the tick. He ain't moving. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> at, at 18 yards, maybe at 30 or something. Right. Might, but, so know. that's the biggest thing. Don't shoot them too low. Right. And listen to this. This is my new philosophy on where the vitals of a bear are at. And we could go look at your bear over here. We've we've said for years, and I've said for years, that a bear's vitals are slightly further back than a whitetail. Functionally, that is true. But in reality, his shoulders are further up on his body. Mm-hmm. Y'all see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like a whitetail, you can see his brisket stick mm-hmm. out on the north side of his shoulders. Yeah. And then his neck starts, and then and so their their anatomy is actually really similar in terms of of organs I mean, if we're getting super right. technical yeah Inside but that bear a bear doesn't have a brisket that hangs out in front of his shoulders if we look at that bear mount over there his shoulders come up and his neck immediately starts mm-hmm. and so his shoulders and legs are more forward than a deer so what that translates into is that you have more space for vitals further what seems to be further back on a bear yeah. And so, you know, people say, there's a phrase a lot of Canadian outfitters use, middle of the middle. Mm-hmm. And they literally mean aim at the dead nuts, excuse my French, middle <laughs> of a black bear and shoot it. Which if you did that with a white tail, you would be in hitting liver. him in the liver. Yep. Well, with a bear, you're, you're going to be hitting him kind of in the back of the lungs. I don't like to go middle of the middle. I like to go... Middle of the middle and then back towards the shoulder about four inches. But the point is you can hit them further back. The second point is I have seen this. You know, I've killed quite a few bears, but more than that, I've tracked a ton of bears in Canadian bear camps over the years and Arkansas bear. I mean, I've tracked a lot of bears. You can shoot a bear in the absolute guts, which you don't want to do. And you can find that bear relatively easy. He's going to die within 300 yards. You're going to have to put on your blood trailing cap. Give him time to expire. And you're going to have to give him time. But so the point of all that is to say, in in the whitetail world, the biggest fear you have is hitting one far back. Or at least that's what we've been told our whole lives. Don't hit him far back, man. Gut shot that deer. And that's true. That is not the worst case scenario with a black bear. 
in my opinion. I, I mean, Colby, there's a great video on Bear Hunting Magazine YouTube of our buddy Colby just absolutely shooting one deep in the guts. And, I mean, it just makes you go, ooh, man, we found that bear, no problem. River Newcomb last year, Ryan mm-hmm. helped me track River's bear. She 10 ring that sucker in the guts. I mean, we had to blood trail it, but we found it relatively easy the easy. next day. Yeah. I mean, you know, 30-minute blood trail. And, you know, it went 300 yards probably. But point being, I think people are so afraid to shoot them far back, they want to shoot them tied up against that shoulder, and they hit the shoulder. And you are guaranteed if you hit that scapula or the actual shoulder bone of that bear, you're not going to kill it. I've oh. done that too. <laughs> yeah. 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 And you don't want to hit them low. Because you'll shoot. I mean, I've done that, especially if you're at yep. any angle in a tree stand. Because they're not going to duck, so you're going to shoot low, hair, brisket. I mean, you might clip a artery or something there. But, yeah, I mean, I like to shoot them. I still shoot them probably not as middle as most people, but I would like – I'm probably going to shoot them a full – and I say hand. My hand's probably nine inches wide. I'm going to put them a hand width behind the sh- shoulder, the yeah, arm. Yeah, that's know what about I'm what I like to do. I mean, I'll – it gives you more room for error. Yeah. If you hug I got that shoulder. Nine inches to hit this way, and I still got nine or probably more. But, you know, at 18 yards, as good as we practice and shoot now, you should hit right pretty daggum close to that spot. You know, yeah. he's not moving. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and see, that's the, that's the logic. And if we're talking about, you know, you can kill one bear doing something kind of crazy, and statistically you might win the statistics war. If you shoot 10 bears, you want to do the best case scenario. And so if you hug that shoulder, you've only got room for error to the south. By south, I mean back right. on the bear. You know, you, you scooch it over, and then you got room for error towards the shoulder. you got room for error behind the shoulder. And then the, the worst thing you can do is hit a bear on the fringe, and that would be with whitetails or anything mm-hmm. else. You hit a bear too high, you know, you're not going to find him. You hit a bear too low, even in the cavity, and you may not find that bear. I mean, I think the bear you probably shot that oh, you I talked got about. in the cavity, yeah. Yeah. I, and mean, that, I, I blood-trailed that bear like he was pouring blood out of a bucket for a quarter of a mile, you know. But I know I just shot right under his heart probably. You yeah. Know? And, and at the angle, I may actually not have got the heart. You know, it went in here and probably came out right there. You right. know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. It's just a rookie mistake. I mean, I just pulled up aimed right where i would shooting whitetail that i've killed the hunter dove and that wasn't where i needed to shoot him you yeah. know i mean yeah well the the only other thing i would say in terms of shot placement is best case scenario is going to be a broadside standing bear bears do all, all kind of weird stuff when they come into a bait they can sit down on their rump they can stand up they can lay down they can cup their body oh yeah yep that's the biggest thing ryan and you've heard me preach about that is a bear has so many contortions of his body that he can do that a whitetail can't. A whitetail is almost like this linear, like static animal for the most part. I mean, like they're either going to be mm-hmm. like a bear is like a cat almost. Like he can oh, yeah. cup his body. So, and bears are black, which is uh, a color that just soaks up its surroundings and its hair is uh, long. A whitetail has short hair. You can see every crease in his body. You can see his shoulder line. You can see everything. A bear is like shooting at an inflated black trash bag. Well, the thing about 
big bears especially as we all know this other than you know ryan killing one he walks up on all the really big bears i've ever killed has been within three minutes of shooting light yeah oh is that right oh yeah or you know five i mean late just like that one i mean he may have came up over the ridge 30 minutes before dark but he didn't come in there till three minutes before no legal kidding. shooting light you know yeah so it's almost dark anyway and then you're shooting at this black blob literally at that time yep. he's just a black blob with all this big hair on him you know and so i mean i've killed him you know don't get me wrong i've killed not old big bears earlier in the day but these bears like this don't come in often until it's almost last light yeah at least in my experience so <clears throat> you got to be real careful where you shoot them Mm-hmm. And uh, you just want him to be standing up. You don't want him to be cupped towards him, which that would mean he would be standing broadside, but his shoulders and his hips would be closer to you than the offside rib cage, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. And so you might think I've been in a stand more than once watching someone shoot, no names being named here, <laughs> where they thought they were aiming right behind the shoulder and they actually hit right where they were aiming. But when that bear straightened back out, that arrow yeah. was 18 inches back. I mean, and, you know, it, we may have still found a bear, uh, but it wasn't it wasn't a 10-ring double lung shot. There he's going to run 30 yards. You know, and you can use your bait setup to make a bear stand the way you want him to, to shoot yep. him to. The way your barrels are angled. I know I don't do this much, but, you know, some guys may lay some logs behind the bait so the bears have to come in on this side mm-hmm. yeah. and turn and face the barrel and they're, they're slightly quartering away, maybe just, you know, not a lot, but slightly 15 degrees or something that you can slide Every time I've and, done that, the bears just tromp it to the ground. Yeah, I've there. done it many yeah. times. Yeah. And they yeah. always... Because you're always trying to block it mm-hmm. the way that they naturally want to come. I just yeah. use the barrel openings. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, oftentimes, especially when they first come in there, they'll kind of square up with it in the beginning to look in the hole and reach in the hole. Now, they're going to do all kinds of stuff after that. Yeah. But when they first walk in there, oftentimes it seems like they'll square up with that hole, which if you got two barrels there, might be either one, but... It's broadside enough that at 18 yards, you should make a perfect shot yeah. on it, right? And you don't yeah. have to be usually in any hurry on a bear at a bait site. You That's can right. Be pretty unless patient. Light. Yeah, unless, yeah, unless light is my fading. My situation like on the big ones, it's always fading light, you know. Yeah. And we're in the timber, you know, so you walk out of the timber up on the ridge, it might still be daylight, but mm-hmm. it gets dark in the timber a lot sooner, you yeah. know. Yeah. yeah. And, and on mine sites i'm always on that north side of the mountain so it's getting darker there before the south side yeah. of the mountain so i run out of daylight a lot sooner there than you probably would in some other locations mm-hmm. but it's yeah. the locations that i've found that i can successfully get them in there in the daylight without being winded and stuff yeah you know yeah well man i think we've really covered a lot of good stuff here i'll t- i'll throw the only secret weapon <laughs> the only man we're gonna yep we're shutting this down this is the pay for part you can go to Bear Hunting Magazine. Only people that get a subscription to the magazine get this silver bullet. The only silver bullet that I've ever found in baiting bears is a redneck blind. I agree 100%. We had I mean, that conversation it was, years before you got it. Yeah. I mean, I told you we had talking about wind swirling stuff. I'm like, yep. the only way to kill a bear every time and he not know you're there is being a scent type blind. And, you know, and not just a redneck, but, you know, whatever. Well, I mean, whatever, whatever brand. Yeah, know, that's what we have. Seal tight. There's a jillion of blind. them out there. And I mean, people would have, if they followed the podcast, they would know this, but I hunted a bear. We got access to a property 
in 2015, I think. And for, well, no, I was 14. For five years, I had pictures of this bear I called Batman and never saw the bear. Totally nocturnal. Just He just would read your mail. Like, you just couldn't kill him. I put up a redneck blind, and I killed him the first day I put up a redneck blind. And I had things in my favor. It was a good mast year. Yeah. Like, in terms of there wasn't much mast. He was responding to bait. But he came in, and he had he, – he was – that bear was used to – me or James Lawrence climbing up in the tree on opening day. And I guarantee he, he just knew we were there and he didn't come in. And he come in really comfortable when the day you did shoot him. Oh, yeah. It was it was well, broad day. Like, if he can't smell you and don't think you're there, he's going to be like just any other day. Mm-hmm. That's why that's right. that works so well. Is And that's why I use those drains to try to keep the bears from coming in behind me is those big bears are circling down there sniffing before yep. they're coming in. They're not bay. coming in blind. And here's the deal, too, and the reality is even some of these bears that I might have fooled their nose when they come in there, they know you're there most of the time. This bear walked right to the base of my tree and looked at me, and mm. he did not wind me. He knew I was there somehow. Mm. I had to let him turn and walk away from the stand to shoot him. Wow. You That's know, unusual. It is. I mean, and but had I been in there – I mean, you know, the wind would I don't know. I mean, he just knew, you know, bears are just smart. He may have just went by and checked that stand every day, too. I don't know. And that day, right. I just happened to be in it before yeah, he came yeah. to, you know, he would like circle down on that secondary point and it may just come up to the barrel, you know. Man, I tell you what, <laughs> a lot of people that, I guess a lot of people that bait bears would understand this, but what we have, like me following you guys, bear baiting or bear hunting in arkansas man it, it is a awesome thing to kill a big bear oh, yeah it's they're cool. like they're like a ghost man yep. i mean i i heath's video i think is up on our you it was on our dvd yeah, probably was bear horizon <laughs> i think season one bear Heath killed that 504 pound bear right there yeah and man i tell you what it's fun to kill big white tails and it's fun to kill big elk i've never done it but i'm going to in three <laughs> weeks and those things can never be replaced i mean like this it's it's like yeah. your kids you know I it's mean, like you love, love is, your kids my but, love is white tail don't get me wrong you'd probably tell by looking in here but a lot of bear stuff but a bear makes your heart beat in a different way than a white tail will it does and these big it's ones it's hard to explain you know when, when i killed batman two years ago and that was the biggest bear I ever killed, and maybe the biggest bear I ever killed in my life. It was, it was a. I felt like it was a, you know, those fleeting moments that you are in the presence of a true monarch of the woods are pretty special moments as a hunter, and they're quick. I mean, like I hunted that bear for five years. I watched him with my own eyes for about thirty seconds. Yeah. And you know, it's 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 a pretty cool thing to to see those bears, you know. And people don't realize how big they really are. You yeah. Know? I mean, I think it's probably just like a, a moose or whatever. They're huge, but I mean, I've killed big bears before, and air, I, even you walk up on a five hundred pound bear with a head that big laying on the ground. It's, it's just it's you're awestruck. I am awestruck. Yeah. I don't I'm not saying everybody would be, but and I've done it, and I'm just still like. Holy cow, look how big this thing is, you know? I mean, it's just impressive, you know? And there's just, it's an interesting feeling. You know, we have a great, 
in my opinion, a phenomenal resource here in Arkansas to be able to hunt bears like this, you know. Uh, and so it's pretty cool to have that opportunity. Yeah. Yep. I agree. Well, guys, hey, we've uh, we've pounded the ground pretty hard here, covered a lot of good stuff. So, uh, yeah, I really appreciate it. Thanks for sharing your wisdom. Yeah, it was fun hanging with you guys. Appreciate you having me on. Well, keep the wild places wild because that's where the bears live. That's right. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today.